everybody, welcome to Performance Anxiety. Thank you so much for tuning in and continuing to listen. Today's episode features a legacy bassist who's earned all of his success. Jack Bates began his career playing in Peter Hook and the Light. Peter Hook is the bassist for both Joy Division and New Order. Jack is his son, and his career has consisted of playing three-hour shows ever since. He now plays bass for the Smashing Pumpkins. He tells us what it's like to grow up playing bass when your dad is a legend on the instrument. He also discusses how he met Billy Corgan and how he began playing for the Pumpkins. Give him a follow on Instagram at jackbates underscore music because he's been going live once a week with his dad and they're hilarious together. Follow us at Performance ANX. And you know what else you gotta do? Subscribe, rate, review, and share. And enjoy this theme song because Jack wrote it. Thanks, Jack. All right. Uh, hey, this is Jack Bass. I play bass for Peter Hook and the Light and Smashing Pumpkins. And you are listening to Performance Anxiety. Um, I chat with Mark, so enjoy. Good. We are all set on the... About as far as tech, technical issues as I go. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Good. We're all set. All right. That's all we need, man. Exactly. Exactly. So how you doing today, man? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Just a uh, typical lazy Sunday. Just finished doing my laundry. Just um, not very interesting, but that's life. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm sitting here in my front room of my house, looking out a window on an overcast day, but it's very, very... It, it's it's a nicely overcast day. It's yeah, it's pretty it's pretty grey here, which is usually uh, the norm from for Manchester. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, it's been it's actually it's been weird because obviously with the lockdown, um, yeah. everyone's everyone's staying at home, and during that time the weather's been amazing, which is just totally out of character for Manchester. Of course, and um, it's sort of made the whole thing even more difficult. But then. Over the last couple of weeks, the weather's sort of gone back to being shit, and I think a lot of people are sort of breathing a sigh of relief. All right, we're back to normal. Yeah, well, it just makes it less annoying to, to have to stay in. Yeah, I, I know uh, the UK's been hit pretty hard, and my area, uh, you know, it's weird. We haven't really been... I'm in Virginia, and my area right. of Virginia hasn't been hit really very hard. Uh, they've... Uh, I'm about 75 miles west of DC, and uh, I guess that's about you know it's as far as you need to go because it's yeah. we're not it's not rampant here. I mean, there's a few cases, but you know they man, I'll tell you what they've they've done some uh, pretty severe shutdowns here. Uh, like my kids haven't been in school for for two months, two and a half months, something like that. Yeah. So are you are you having to homeschool? No, that's the weird thing. They kind of. I'm in a in a area where it's it's. I'm right. I'm very close to the West Virginia border, and once you kind of right. hit that border, things get pretty rural. Uh huh. And they can't guarantee the internet coverage on the on, on the edge of the county close to the West Virginia border, and so. Oh, wow. Yeah, so what they, they they can't guarantee that that uh, everybody on that end of the county has fast enough internet to get the work done, uh, right? And so they've just decided um, the teachers are going to post work up for your kids, but it's not going to be graded. It's 
<laughs> they, right. They would just, like to, I guess they're just trying to get something out there. Yeah, exactly. So they're just kind of averaging the kids' grades for the first uh, semester, the first, and what they did the second half of the year, what they were able to complete, and that's kind of going to be their grades for the year. But right, right. They're not doing any schoolwork. I mean, I know a lot of people, a lot of friends in New Jersey, and a lot of friends in other areas of Virginia are having to online school, but. In my case, yeah, it's, I, yeah. I know. Um, I know quite a lot of people in, in in the states, obviously in various states, and it seems like everyone is is uh, dealing with it differently. You know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. There's there's no real uniform plan, and, and you know that on kind of the way that the country works. You know, there's it's a bunch of separate states. So, and even but even within those states, the counties are different. So it, it's right. It's pretty wild. It's kind of like the Wild West again. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's been. I mean, it's been pretty bad here. I mean, I, th- I think we're, we're. I think we're well past the uh, the worst of it at the moment. Yeah, it's sort of it is on the way down day by day. But even then, it's like um, you know, I was, I was watching, I was watching the news yesterday, and they seemed like they were buzzing that only 150 people died today. So <laughs> there's still 150 people. I know. It's. You know, it's I, I just thought. I just sort of. I mean. It, it was really sad. About six weeks ago, I actually lost my granddad to the, to the virus, which, oh, is, so which sorry, is sad man. for us. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's cool. We're, everyone's dealing with it the best we can, but yeah. it was, it's just like, um, when I was, every time I see the number, it just sort of reminds me like, you know, that's so many people going through what, what we went through, which is really bad. And, you know, we weren't even allowed to have like a proper service for it. I, you know, I, it was bad. I know the feeling I and not, Personally, but uh, a friend of mine from high school that I've kind of kept in touch with on and off uh, lost both his parents within a week of each other uh, to wow. the virus. They were they were both not in the best of health, so they were highly susceptible. And they live in New York right. City, so you know they're in the yeah. New York was a real hot spot, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And being highly susceptible, it you know, it, it I mean, it was it, pretty much the same. In, in my granddad's case, because uh, he was 89, had a few health wow. problems, but he was he actually had to go into hospital for something completely unrelated. Oh, and um, wow. I think that the protocol at the time was when you get admitted to hospital, they test you anyway. So yeah. he tested negative. So we were all really happy about that. And then oh, wow. because of the time that he had to spend in there for clearing up this other thing that he had going on, he, he caught it in the meantime. So it was, oh, man. It was pretty rough, but I mean... Yeah, so fortunately we're past the uh, the peak, as they keep calling it. Yeah, yeah but I'm, I mean, I, th- I think they've started lifting a few of the restrictions now in the UK, or in England anyway, I'm not sure about the rest of the UK. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I'm just sort of continuing with my own uh, self-imposed lockdown. <laughs> I don't have to go out. I'm not going out. Yeah, I know. I've, it's funny, I'm trying to keep my kids busy doing projects and stuff. My son just kind of took it upon himself yesterday, which, which is amazing to, uh, completely wash the upstairs bathroom, clean it from top to bottom. That's how (laughs) bored he was. Something to do. (laughs) Yeah. Fortunately, I got, I, I just got a project for the both of us to do. So, um, and, and this is a, a a complete tangent, but uh, (laughs) I I don't care. This is my show. I do whatever the fuck I want. There you go, man. You're so, <laughs> yeah. So uh, a few weeks ago, I had uh, well, several several weeks ago, I had uh, the owner of Zvex Effects pedals on Zachary Vex, and I uh, just released it a couple of weeks ago. And we were talking, and 
I've always wanted one or two of his pedals, but they're one of those boutique pedals and they're not cheap. Yeah. yeah they're not, they're not cheap. So I was like, ah, oh, but I've wanted one for, there's this one I want to call the machine for like 12 years. I saw a YouTube. Right. Yeah. So YouTube demo on it, like literally 12 years ago. And I'm like, that's amazing. One of these days I'm going to get it and because I, I play guitar terribly. I'm, I'm self basically self-taught and I just make a lot of noise, but I like to make noise. So, Right. This this pedal will help to do that. It's a it's like a it's a distortion type of pedal, and uh, the way normal distortion pedals work, you know, on that on the sine wave, the 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 distortion hits on the peak and the trough of, of the sine wave. With yeah. And in the middle, this your speaker's just kind of coasting and not doing anything, and there's there, it's not actually distorting. It. What this pedal does is it makes it distort in the middle, and so you get oh, all, cool. yeah you get all these really weird noises and and distortion crunchiness it's just it's it's kind of it's a little unpredictable but it's it's really awesome um yeah it sounds fun oh it's a blast it's called the machine so i was was talking to him about it and uh we got onto some of his other pedals obviously and he's got this one called the invento box and Uh it's a pedal that you kind of build yourself it's got like 15 knobs on it and it's got a breadboard for the circuitry so what it means is it's just a blank circuit board and the the circuitry for i think three different pedals comes with it and you can you can wire it up right and you can kind of the he said the whole idea was that he would make available some other circuitry for some of his other pedals and hopefully some third parties would maybe make their own that you could do and make your own really interesting pedal and, and, and yeah, that sounds cool, man. Yeah, so I'm like, I love thing. all those like, crazy pedals. Oh, the, yeah, it's it's amazing. And so he's he's like, yeah, that was the whole idea, but it's kind of like a whole of it came across as like a father son project that he wanted to sell, and he said it just never really caught on. So he's like, I was like, I want to get one of those. He's like, look. I'll tell you what, I will make you a great deal on one of those. I sold almost <laughs> none of them. I've got a ton of them still. Wow. I'm like, all right, let's do this. I'll get the machine and and this Invento box. And yeah. What kind of price can you give me on that? He's like, all right, I'll make you a great deal. I got a demo that we used in a bunch of videos of the machine. And uh, I've, yeah, I'll make a hell of a deal on the Invento box because just, I just want to get rid of some of them. Oh, nice. So they came in the other day, and uh, I've been playing with the machine, and and so now my son, my son loves electronics. He looked, he, it's so funny. He his big thing is to go on like eBay and look up old TVs. He loves old TVs. He loves to <laughs> take them apart, yeah, and fix them. And he's sixteen. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's sixteen years old. And he, wow, that's cool. And he wants to take he takes them apart and and fixes the cathode ray tubes and does all this other stuff. It's just and then he they they work better and it's it's so he loves this electronics stuff that so I So you've got a budding a budding engineer in the house. That's what I'm telling him. I'm telling him he's he's kind of like, "Oh, I I like to, I'd love to repair old TVs." I'm like, "No, no, no, no. Go beyond that. <laughs> design yeah, yeah. the TVs. Design the uh, the stuff that goes into." It. So I'm trying to trying to nourish encourage this and push him in a in a more lucrative direction than opening a tv repair shop that nobody's going to go to because nobody repairs tvs anymore except for him right right so but uh, so the whole point of this long story is is that we got this thing and we're at and uh it's it's a really wild it's an enormous pedal 
but that's one of the projects I'm going to have him do during this whole lockdown is to uh, get the two of us are going to start this afternoon and we're going to start putting this thing together and hopefully have a really wild pedal board for him because he knows how to play guitar, but it's not, that's not his passion. Right. He's in band. He's in school band, but he plays the tuba. So actually, all, three oh, wow. my, yeah, all three of my kids are in the band. I got a trumpeter, a tuba player, and a French horn. Wow, so you can start your own uh, family brass band. Oh, dude, it's a racket here. It's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's nothing but a cacophony when they get going. But... Nice. All right, well, I'm going to take a cup of my, uh, sip of my coffee here. And... Yeah, it's early, isn't it? <laughs> and we'll get going. Yeah, it's, it's back quarter after eight, so it's, I'd be up anyway, but I'd still be sipping on my coffee at this point. So. Cool. So I'll be doing that throughout this show. But I got my tea. So All right. I'm, I'm joining you. Yeah. Right, excellent, excellent. Well, thanks again for for doing this, man. It was uh, really awesome when you when you said you 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 agreed to come on. It was that that was really cool. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, no worries, man. Thanks for the invite. I mean, it was weird because um, I I hadn't heard of your podcast until you. Not did a lot of people the, have the Lanigan episode. Yeah, not a lot of people have. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so when when I heard that, I listened to the the episode with with Mark Lanigan, and I thought, oh, that's cool. And then I was going through and through your sort of because i noticed that was your was it 100 150th 100 one, yeah yeah 100th one so then i was looking through sort of the back catalog and i was just like oh scarlet page that's cool and then yeah. oh bruce pavitt oh alan johannes and then i started listening to a few of those and then literally a week later um got the message from you so that was weird oh that's awesome that's awesome i love when when uh, I, I hear that because you know doing this i just don't exactly know who's who's willing to go into the back catalog a little bit you know i get right i'll get people that this is a great interview and like, okay well you know this is episode number 97 go back and and check <laughs> you know go see who you like you know i've i had the one of the two of the biggest shows i've had were mark lanigan and uh michael giraffe from swans and yeah so i but i've had a lot of people related to those guys on you know, I've had uh, people who played in Swans and uh, people who related to Mark Lanigan, you know, like Alan Johannes and, and all. And go back and listen, go look. You might find other people. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, Alan in, Alan in particular, is that was an interesting episode just because he's such an interesting guy. Oh, he, he is. He is. And, uh, and yeah. even if you take out, like, the, the fact that he's worked with a ton of bands and got his own cool, you know, uh, back catalog of his own. Oh, yeah. Even if you take all that out, just his story about like coming from Chile and via Germany or whatever it was. Yeah. It was, it was cool. Yeah, exactly. And then and ending up in LA. Yeah. And you know, it's now he's, he's been in back in uh, Chile for a while, ever since the virus hit. So yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So, and, uh, and, and one of the, the cool things about this show is that a lot of times I'd like to say that most people have a, a good time doing this show and so they don't mind staying in touch. And I do other shows where former guests will come back on and we'll do something that's completely different. Like I said before, you know, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed the episodes. I'm really glad you decided to come on. And uh, I wanted to find out a little bit more because your background, the way you got into music is a lot different from a lot of guests I've had on. Um, right. Not too many guests are the kids of iconic musicians. So... I, I want to know a little bit more about how I can imagine how you got into music. I mean, you know, it's the family business, but <laughs> you know, it's 
sometimes a lot of kids will rebel and but I know a lot of people will do that you know whatever your family business is the kids will do comp- something completely different to rebel I mean for you to rebel you would have had to become an accountant but you know, that didn't <laughs> I wasn't good enough at math <laughs> so so was bass playing uh, part of your childhood when did you start playing instruments and did you start with bass yeah I did start with bass uh, probably about age 10 or 11 when I started being interested in what all these things were that were done around the house <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, I mean at that point it's funny because when I, I was born in 1989 which is like the peak of uh, new order especially yeah. in the states like yeah. they were they were huge then but they actually broke up um, not too long after that, I think Republic, the Republic album came out in 93. Right. And then I don't think they played together for another, for like five or six years after that. So obviously I was too young to sort of remember that first bit. And then for me growing up, the bit that I remember was my dad playing in his side project band, which was called Monaco. Um, okay. They had in the late nineties, sort of 97, 98, they put out a couple albums and obviously the, while there was a lot of interest in his side project just because of who he is, it wasn't as big as New Order. Right. So the shows, the shows that I would see him play would sort of be in clubs and sort of things like that. You just, and, you know, I'd go to the sound check or whatever, but I'm still young at this point, so I wouldn't be allowed to stay for the gig. And then um, it, it was probably about three years later when I got to about 10, 11, and New Order got back together. And then I remember finding it really strange, like, oh, he's playing with a different bunch of people and the show is 20 times as big. Like, <laughs> that's interesting. Uh, so I think from that perspective, that was when I started showing a bit more interest. And then um, I used to, like, when I knew a couple of riffs, sort of age 12-ish, uh, I used to, like, go into the sound check so that I could play his bass really loud. Oh, wow. In an arena or something. That's awesome. So that was always cool. And then it sort of just, I guess it just sort of spiraled from there. He, he bought me my first bass when I was 13 or 12, maybe 13. Um, and then ever since then, that, that's, that's all I wanted to do, really. Oh, man, that's fantastic. So when, when New Order uh, kind of reformed, reunited, and, and started touring again, were you following them all over the place? Or was it just select places that you'd, like local places? Or were you on the road with them for a while? When they first came back, sort of 2001-ish, because yeah. I was still a bit young, so I would probably only go to like the Manchester show or the Liverpool show. I used what, you want more of the local ones. Okay. But then um, as I got older, I remember when, uh, what was the name of the album? Uh, Waiting for the Sirens Call, when that came out in 2005, which is the last New Order album with my dad on it, because I was about 16 at that point, and that was old enough to sort of like go on tour. So okay. I did that, which was cool. And yeah, I guess it, it, yeah, at that point, it was just like, this is this is pretty cool. I want to do it. So I better start practicing. <laughs> and then, um, the the thing that everyone always assumes is that like he, wow, he must have taught you how to play bass. And, and he didn't because he said to me, if I teach you, you'll just end up sounding like me. Yeah. So you need to, uh, if you want to do it, you should teach yourself and you know if you want to play like me great but you should also learn to play in other styles and, and now if i can play styles that he can't play that doesn't mean i'm a better bass player it just right, it's, right. you know we just took different 
paths to learning the instrument. Yeah, you, you, you want to have your own voice on the instrument. You don't want to be a, a clone of, of your dad. Right. So when you're growing up, obviously you're seeing and hearing Joy Division, New Order. Was that a influence on you? I mean, did you did you or did you listen to other bands instead? Like, you know, was that like, oh, that's my dad's music. I'm gonna. This is my music. That's his music. You know, and never the twain <laughs> yeah. shall meet. Right. No, I mean, I was aware of it, and I like I like the songs, obviously, but I was much more into heavier music when I was growing up. And um, okay. so a lot of the, a lot of bands that I like, he doesn't like, and that's cool. Yeah. Um, but I always knew, like, you know, New Order is a cool band, and Joy Division, and it was always there. But it was only when, in 2010. Uh, so he he actually left. Well, there is an argument as to whether he left or whether the band split. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Still yeah. going on. Um, so New Order finished, should we say, in 2007, I think. Okay. And then it was only in uh, 2010 when he started the idea of touring on his own, which I would do with him, playing the music. It was only then, really, that New Order and Joy Division became huge for me in terms of a fan as well as playing music. But, I mean, okay. it, was, it was still always there before that. Was that when he started with uh, The Light? Was yeah. It, okay. So 2000, May, uh, May the 18th, 2010, so literally 10 years ago this week, um, was when Pioch and the Light started playing. And um, it, that was because at the time it had been 30 years since Ian Curtis died, the singer of Joy Division. Yeah. And um, my dad's idea was to play one show in Manchester where he would play Unknown Pleasures, the debut album. Mm-hmm. And then as a way of celebrating Ian's life, you know, rather than sort of marking his death, he, he sort of spins it as we're celebrating what he did in his life. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and it just sort of all snowballed from there. It, it, I think it sold out about four, it was, it was only like a 450 capacity venue in Manchester. He really did. Um, wow. When he, when he started doing his own thing, he really did start again at the bottom as it were oh, wow. and we didn't know are people going to be into it are people going to accept him singing the songs and you know it was quite oh, a big wow. it was a lot there was a lot to consider yeah you know i didn't even think about that aspect of it because it to me it, it would be more of of peter hook is, is of joy division is going to be doing joy division i'm there that would be and and you know much like you i came to joy division and new order late um just because, like you know, it's similar to you. I was into a lot heavier music as a kid, and right. I, I had a lot of friends who were big New Order fans and and Joy Division fans. And I was, no, that's not for me. I I I, I need Megadeth or Soundgarden, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it's kind of funny. It's only once I started having a family that, and then they st- and my kids started listening to different things. I'm like, that's interesting. And then I would actually look at that band and, and see. Because one of the ways I find some of my favorite bands is to see who they are influenced by. And so and my kids would listen to a band, like, that's actually pretty good for a bunch of young kids. And then, okay, let's see, who did who did they get influenced by? And then you go on back and then they, New Order pops up, Joy Division pops up. And I started listening and like, this is a lot better than I remember. Right. And so if if I saw, say, you know, Joy Division, or you know, Joy Division, but sung by Peter Hook. I bet, 
I'm in. That's that sounds awesome. It it just seems. I mean, it's one of those things where plenty of people did did feel like that. Um, um, plenty of people didn't. So it was like, you know, we did. He did get a lot of criticism just for the idea of it. Wow. You know, even though the show was for charity and it's just to celebrate the music and yeah. just wanted to play because he hadn't played for three years since New Orleans split. Wow. And then, um, you know, some people were pretty harsh on it, but then plenty of people embraced it and, you know, we're still doing it 10 years later. Yeah. <laughs> it really did. Um, like yeah. that, that one night became two nights because it sold out so quickly. And then we started getting offers that summer from festivals, um, which was pretty nerve wracking because we'd literally gone from playing two club shows to like headlining a stage at Benny Kasim in Barcelona. Oh my gosh. And it was pretty, that was only my fourth gig ever. Oh my <laughs> so gosh. It was pretty, uh, we really <laughs> were sort of thrown into oh. the deep. playing with these season touring bands yeah and, and and you know you start off playing in front of 450 people which for a first and second gig is still really good to right. thousands of people for your third gig yeah and then Jeez. i remember uh, so that that summer 2010 we started in may that was the summer we just did some festivals and then we got our first tour like a headline tour was in australia and new zealand that september oh wow uh, which I remember very vividly because I had my 21st birthday while I was over there. Oh, wow. So that was cool. <laughs> and That's and awesome. it's, Yeah, it really did just sort of snowball from there. And I think we're up to about 640 gigs now in 10 years. Wow. So which what, for as someone at his age uh, to average more than a gig a week consistently for 10 years is kind of amazing. That's fantastic, man. Yeah, because, I mean, he's been playing music since the mid that was professionally yeah that's <laughs> man that's the year my brother was born yeah <laughs> and i well i can't say anything because i'm older than him so anyway, i was gonna say he's old but i'm actually older <laughs> <laughs> but what's it like touring with your dad because i know a lot of like we were talking about listening to music and getting, getting into something that your parents don't do as a, as a form of rebellion a lot of bands start out as a way to get out of the house and get away from your parents, but right. you're trapped with your dad touring, going around <laughs> the world touring with him. Um, I assume you guys have a pretty tight and strong relationship. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a great relationship. We're really good friends, uh, and it's actually quite it's it's fun because obviously when we're when we're working or on tour or whatever, you know, you're always talking about the band and the shows and all that. Yeah. But then it's quite cool. Uh, you know, every, well, not at the moment with the lockdown, but usually every couple of weeks when the family will get together and we'll sort of make a point about not talking about all that stuff. So we can sort of remember that, you know, we are family too. That's good. Oh man, that's really important. Yeah. I mean, it really is. He's a really mellow, easygoing guy. who's easy to work with. 
And, um, you know, and at the end of the day, he just wants to go out and play. That's always been his main thing. He loves playing live. He was very frustrated towards the end of his time in New Order uh, just because they didn't play as much as he wanted to play. And when they did play, it would just be the same set list over and over again. And he, he got very frustrated with that. So doing his own thing has allowed him to right those wrongs in a way. So a typical show for Peter Hook and the Light. It's a, it's a pretty long show. It's what, it's over two hours, right? Yeah, well, it started out as, a, as quite kind of normal, sort of like 90 <laughs> minutes. And then okay. um, o- over the 10 years, we've we've turned it into like a three-hour uh, oh, thing. But, I mean, his, 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 the whole point behind it was to play the Joy Division album on the anniversary. Right. And then exactly a year later, he played the second album, on, on the anniversary, the same day again, and then the next one, and it's just gone that stuff to from doing Joy Division albums and carried that on into New Order. So oh, yeah. all of our shows feature albums performed in full. Oh, uh, wow. usually back to back. So we'll do when when we get booked to do a do a Joy Division thing, we'll we'll play Unknown Pleasures and Closer as part of the set, and then do an encore. So it starts that turns it into like a three hour show. Wow. Oh, my gosh. We'll, we'll do the same with the New Order ones as well. Like we, We'll play movement alongside Power, Corruption, and Lies. So it'll be like a double header. Oh, my gosh. It that's just really crazy. depends on uh, – it just depends on what, what the promoters want to book, you know? Right. Do you ever uh, mix the two together? Do like uh, maybe one will be – one half of the show will be Joy Division, the other half will be New Order? Well, it's funny because uh, the, the biggest tour that we've done – was the Substance Tour, which was where there, there's, a, there's a Substance album for Joy Division and New Order. Right, yeah. And um, it's kind of like a best of. that sort of features the singles and all the big tunes are on it. Okay. So when, when we got to Substance in the sort of chronological sequence, um, which came out in 1987, the New Order one, mm-hmm. my dad's idea was, well, let's play the Joy Division one too, and we'll just do it complete half and half show. Wow which was still, I think, about a three-hour show. And, yeah. um, <laughs> so it's totally split down the middle, and it was quite interesting seeing the different reactions in the crowd and that kind of thing. Um, awesome. But that, that was actually, I think that that tour was the biggest one yet. Because so, I think one of the advantages of, certainly in this day and age, when you're touring albums, people know in advance, like, I'm going to hear all the songs I want to hear. Yeah, it's not. There's there's not going to be a gray area of are they going to play this or they're going to play that. Yeah. So people know that if you come out to see my dad, he's going to play all the songs you want to hear. It's going to be a long show and it'll be fun. You get get your money's worth for sure. Three hours, man. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't care how his, much those tickets cost. That's that's worth. Well, his, his big, that's another good thing about it. His thing has always been I want to keep the I want to keep the ticket prices you know as low as we can and just get out there. I love your dad. No, he's cool, and he, he just enjoys it. That's the main thing. That's fantastic, man. And you both play bass on the, you know, on stage in in the band. I get, yeah. I'd imagine that kind of allows you guys to play some of the songs that maybe they couldn't play live before. Then, yeah, no, you're right. It's, it, I mean, it's interesting because um, he, he can sing and play, but in a, I think for a sh- for a whole show, it would have been hard for him to sort of do that. So. The idea was that if I'm going to sing it, then we need another bass player. Yeah. So that's where that's where I came in, and 
the idea being that he still plays a lot of bass in the show, mm-hmm. but he'll take a lot of the leads and a lot of the intros and a lot of the big, you know, we give him the show off part. <laughs> and then, uh, I'll, I'll always be playing, you know, underneath him. So you hold it. But there are a lot. Of, I mean, people, it's weird. Some people can't get their head around it at first. And then when they come and see the show, they get it. It's hard to explain. Like, obviously there's, um, my dad's style leads to a lot of solos and lead bass so it sort of allows you to have two basses when they're when they're both going it's massive it does i've listened to a a few of the shows um and some of the clips on youtube it sounds amazing when the two of you guys are playing together it does let us play a lot of songs that that new art found difficult to play for that reason it's that's and and you guys are are awesome together on stage it's it's kind of funny because when you when you're playing and and I there's a couple of clips where you guys are playing facing each other and it's almost like twins up there you guys have <laughs> the same you know similar bases they're they're both slung kind of low and you're both slightly crouched down playing it's it's funny it's like it's like seeing peter now and then like you know 20 yeah. years ago he he always says it's like looking in a mirror it's crazy <laughs> <laughs> it it's, it's almost looks like one of those shows with a hologram except Right, slightly better quality. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's funny because he always says like, um, when he wrote Unknown Pleasures, he was twenty one, and then wow. when we started touring Unknown Pleasures, I was twenty one. Oh wow, I didn't so even think about he that. Sort of, he would sort of stand there and look over at me and get all the memories of him because I looked like what he used to look like. Oh, <laughs> and it's just, God. It's, I, think it, I think it was all a little weird for him at first. You know, that has got to be weird. I've. I, I've had, you know, when certain things happen to you, you know, you almost feel like you're out of your own body. And I can imagine, like, if, if I saw my son doing what I do at his age, it, it would be almost like an outer body experience, but I'm actually there. It's That's got to be so crazy. Cause, yeah. Because, uh, you know, writing, recording, and touring those albums w- was such a momentous occasion in his life that, that seeing carbon copy of him doing the exact same thing has got to be kind of weird yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think i hope hopefully good with yeah that, that's exactly what i meant yeah you perform with peter hook in the light and then you also do all the uh the websites and the social media are you still doing that for the, for the band yeah I've, I've, wow. I mean, my dad doesn't really get uh social media he gets the importance of it right but, um especially you know in this day and age he gets he gets that we need it yeah. But if he was running it himself, I mean, he does He does go on there and use it occasionally. But <laughs> most of the sort of admin stuff is, is handled by me, which sort of can turn into a full-time job sometimes. So it, this whole Peter Hook and the Light, it, it's still, it's a it's a pretty tight organization then. Yeah, yeah. But there's really not, there's not many people involved, yeah. I mean, there's, there's five guys in the band, and then... Um, I sort of run the digital side, and then we have uh, a management team and a, a really small crew and, and an agent, and that's pretty much it. Man, that's fantastic! That you know, it's a, a small organization. It's it's got to be pretty nimble then. So that's that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, people can't believe like you know we we started out in really small uh, venues, and now we're playing the same venues that huge bands play like yeah. uh you know thousands of people in america oh, and we still we still show up with 
just two crew guys. <laughs> and then, like, wow. the, the house guys in America will be like, just, where's your crew? It's like, this is it, man. <laughs> yeah, we're streamlined. It's a very streamlined operation. And everyone in it has been working with my dad for, for years and years and years. So it really does sort of feel like a, I know there is family in the band, but it sort of feels like an extended family too. Oh, that's good. That is awesome. I love hearing that. Now, how long do you get to prep for this? Like, like when, when you started doing these shows, so, so your first show, you were just doing the first album. Right. And then as it grows, is it hard to prep for all that? Because with the, the two basses and then, you know, playing these difficult songs that, that the band couldn't play live when they were written, is it hard to prep for that? And how do you prep for it? Uh, a lot of rehearsals. <laughs> it's, it, I mean, it's it's funny because when we were just when we were only playing the Joy Division catalog, it's easier in the sense that it, there's there's not a lot of electronics involved. It's more of a straight up sort of rock rock songs, right? And then um, when we got to and the first New Order album is like that too. So when when we first started playing Movement, that was fine. Okay, but then when we got to the Power Corruption Lies, uh, Low Life, Brotherhood albums. There's a lot more electronics involved just because that's the direction that New Order went in. Right, yeah. But yeah. that then means that you do have to start, you know, using sequences and some backing tracks, and it, it, that becomes complicated. You start having to, with the Joy Division stuff, you know, if, if my dad wants to let the music sort of ring a little bit and comes in a verse late, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, but if you do that, <laughs> to a to a new artist that way you're using sequences everything's out so oh wow, yeah like you have to be more disciplined with those yeah because that's yeah because once everything's put into a uh, into a machine into a system a computer system yeah. that's very precise yeah it is it is precise that's that's the word and um it's funny because uh due to the way new order ended my dad doesn't have any access to like their official uh you know, tape, whatever they'd use back oh, in the day. Yeah, yeah. So we actually have a guy called Ken in Australia who's like a genius who rebuilds the songs from the ground up using the same instruments. Oh, my God. And then sends us the tracks to, to play with. And wow. I think, I mean, I'm biased, but yeah. <laughs> so I think our, our, our tracks that we use sound so much better than, than, than the old ones anyway. Oh my God! You really can't have any cars in in uh, Brisbane. It is oh. an amazing job. was your dad playing bass for both bands but is the approach to the bass different for the band or is it fairly similar i mean it's weird because obviously a lot of these songs haven't been played for 40 years yeah by the, by the time we come to play them and um, the process will really start out with me learning the songs and then showing him the riffs Oh wow, <laughs> which is quite weird. <laughs> and then uh, he'll turn around to me and go, "I didn't play it like that." And I go, "Well, okay, <laughs> let's let's figure it out." Then. Because this is this is what I hear, and I'm I'm trying my best. 
and he'll be like, no, no, I played it like this. And then I go, but that's harder to play. Yeah. And like, yeah, but I didn't know what that meant back then. So I just played it like that, you know? Oh my God. So we do, we do, um, we do butt heads now and again when it comes to that, but it's always, it's always good natured. That's wild. And it, it's amazing how you can hear it one way, but it's played a completely different way. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, if I can hear, I can listen to those records and, and pick out, the riffs and and learn them and then it, and then it's it's you'll I'll just sort of play them the way I feel like it it would have been played which would be the easiest way and then he'll say no no I played it like this and I'm used to playing it like that so that's how I'm gonna do it <laughs> all right yeah. you want to play you want to play it that way that's fine <laughs> <laughs> so how did you end up meeting up with Billy Corgan uh. So it's quite it's quite a long story, but we'll we'll go into it. Yeah, um, hey, I got nothing but time. So in two thousand and one, <laughs> Billy actually toured with New Order for for about six months. I remember that as a touring guitar player. I remember and, hearing um, about that. Yeah, I remember at the time I didn't know who he was because I was only like twelve. Oh and, wow! Um, <laughs> but I remember him being there. I just thought I just wasn't clued up on on his band or who he was. So it's quite remarkable now looking back at that. And it was only when I got to about probably 14-ish that I discovered the Pumpkins and they became one of my favorite bands. And obviously the, at that point, so 2004, the Pumpkins weren't uh, active as a band after right. the split. They didn't come back until 2007. So from 2007, you know, me and my dad would go every time they play in Manchester and we, you know, we'd go and say hello and, and meet up and stuff. Yeah. And then, so it was quite natural really. And then in 2010, when we started touring, um, as the light, every time we play Chicago, um, my dad would invite Billy to come and sing with us, which oh, he would cool. do. And then it, so we he did that sort of every year for four or five years, always at the Metro in Chicago. And then it just sort of, yeah, progressed from there. I guess he'd, saw that I could play and then you did a bass player and he asked me to do it. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, if, if he sees you, know, you're playing some crazy-ass Joy Division New Order stuff that the band couldn't even do live and you guys are pulling it off, I'd, I'd hire you for my band too, yeah. <laughs> Man. So how did your dad feel when, when uh, Billy wanted you to join the Pumpkins? I think, well, he's always been proud of it, but I think he was quite worried because he's sort of thinking, you know, what happens with my band? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, over the last few years, I've really tried to, to balance it out where I can do everything, but obviously it's not possible. Um, oh, that's going to be tough. So he's been, it's, it's annoyed him a few times where I've said, oh, no, I'm not available for that or I'm not available for this. Um, but we've had great people standing in for me uh, the last couple of years. So it's actually once, once he played a show, once he played one show without me and he saw that this can happen, oh, um, wow, yeah. then it was sort of, he was, he was, it made it, it made the whole thing a lot easier. Oh, I can and imagine. Then, yeah. That's, you know, since then he's been very cool with it. That's good. Cause you know, he started the whole thing with you and, and it, you know, I'm sure, yeah, I can, I can understand him being worried about that because it's not easy music to play. No, it isn't. And uh, it's a lot of songs to learn just because of the length of the show. Well, and you've got to do that for, for two complete sets now with Peter Hook and yeah. the Light and now the Smashing Pumpkins because the last tour, you guys were, again, playing three-plus-hour shows. 
I mean, that's... Yeah, in 2018, um, <laughs> on the Shiny and Auto Bright tour, we were playing for about three hours and 20 minutes. God, that's insane. The, I mean, it was incredible. The set was amazing. And it, was, it wasn't even like... Um, it didn't feel like that long because I was enjoying it so much. That, all right, so I got to ask you a question. What did it feel like the first time you heard Jack Bates of the Smashing Pumpkins? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's still... Um, a little bit mind blowing. <laughs> just, well, just because you know, since I was about fourteen, they've been one of my favorite bands. So to to, to play them now is uh, is is wild, really. That's yeah. I mean, I've, it's, I've, a dream come, it's a dream come true. It's a dream come true. It, yeah, I can only imagine because it, they've been one of my favorite bands since Gish came out. I mean, I was I was in college when Gish came out, and that whole album. Uh, actually, the first thing I ever heard by Smashing Pumpkins, because I, I didn't get Gish when it initially came out. I remember seeing it in the record stores and thinking, Smashing Pumpkins, that's a weird name. And right. then and then I bought the soundtrack to the movie Singles, because I was a... Oh, yeah. At that time, I, I love Mother Love Bone, and I know I I knew that they had morphed into Pearl Jam after, you know, I, yeah. I, I knew the whole, that whole backstory. And obviously, a big Soundgarden fan at the time. And so I'm listening... And all of a sudden, the last song of the album comes on, and I'm like this, this is pretty good. Drown, comes it's dr- on. drown, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I'm like this is pretty good. And then all of a sudden, the end solo comes on with the, all that feedback and noise, and I'm just like, yeah, it's amazing. This is amazing. This is the best song ever written. remember i was outside on my on the uh back deck of my dad's house i think i was i don't know if i was painting the deck or cleaning something and, and i just stopped and i just stood there and i just listened and I was, this is incredible and it, it was literally one of those moments where i'm like everything has just changed now yeah this i can't yeah. I, this is this is what i love and and, and that's it, cool so it i can only imagine playing with them now would be just you know, mind blowing. It's so much fun. It's so much fun, honestly. But so, how do you prepare? Because when you started off playing, the, the the show wasn't three and a half hours. Was it? it was it was a little more of a normal length of a show, and then it's just kind of grown. Is it hard to go and and learn all these songs? And does Billy tell you exactly what's going to be played, or do you have to kind of learn a whole lot? I think for. For 2018, which was the big show, I think I got, I had a list of something like 45 songs. Oh, I sent a list. Like, we're going to pick from, we're going to pick from these, you know, you're not, we're not going to play them all. We're just, we're going to pick from it. So I just, you better thought, know. well, so I just thought I've, well, I've got the time and, uh, <laughs> I'll just, I'll just not, I'll, I, w- I want to show up knowing them all. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was it. So I'll just spend, I probably spent the tour started in uh, 
May two, well, rehearsals started in May 2018, but I probably started in about February, uh, just getting to know all the songs and playing them every day at home. And then you guys will also do covers during the set, like Stairway to Heaven, Space Oddity. Uh, yeah. Sometimes it will pull out like a Cure cover. And I know, yeah. they've, I know they've done Joy Division songs. Is yeah. Do you know those ahead of time? I mean, is it going to be, is it something where he's like, all right, we're going to choose from these four covers. We're going to play a couple of covers. Know these songs. Uh, in- well, it's, it's funny because um, when, I, when I got the list, some of the covers were on it. Um, Stairway to Heaven wasn't at the time, uh, <laughs> like Space Space Oddity was, and it's weird because you sort of think, well, all right, I'll learn, the, I'll just learn the Bowie song, so at least I know the notes. But yeah. obviously, when we get into rehearsals, the the Pumpkins version is is different to the to the Bowie one. Yeah. So it's it's kind of weird with uh, with covers because you can only do so much prep because you're going to change it anyway. Whereas it's easier to to learn the uh the, the pumpkin songs okay okay so is there uh how long do you guys prep for before a show is it you know months at a time or is it weeks uh so far the 2018 tour we did two months rehearsals wow um every day two months and it was it was great though because I mean I I, I want as long as possible because I, I want to be ready I want to be more than ready by the time we get there oh yeah and it was you know it's an arena tour it's big it was the first time that James E had been playing in the Pumpkin since 2000 so there was a lot of attention on the tour for all those reasons oh, and yeah. uh, I remember thinking well two months great you know. I was I don't I didn't want it to be just a week or something. So oh, I, was, yeah. I was happy that we had all that time. And uh so we did two months rehearsals from May and then the tour started in July and then we went through to Christmas pretty much. And I I did go home. I came home to England in the middle of it, uh sort of after the summer and before the, the autumn dates. Okay. And then when we went back into the end of the year shows we only did like two weeks or something just to sort of refresh because the main part of the work had been done right right and it was a shorter break but but uh, your arms must be like popeye i mean you <laughs> both bands you play with play over three hours a night do you have to do anything while you're not touring just so when you start practicing and, and rehearsing that that your arms don't cramp up all the time uh, i don't know i mean i just like to i play every day even if it's just for 30 minutes or an hour and uh that's that, that's really the best way to to stop that from happening. Well, you just got to keep playing. I don't even think about it anymore as being abnormal. It's just normal to me for, to play for that long now. <laughs> it was Man. it was weird because the, the last the last tour we did, which was summer last year, so 2019, where we, which was mainly festivals, and you know we're playing for about an hour and twenty minutes or an hour and thirty minutes. Yeah, and then you get to the end of it, and it's just like, wow, it's over already. Oh. <laughs> so you, you're kind of like that, that's kind of like over prepping then so you, you're like those these uh i don't know you, you're over prepping so that when you do something normal it seems light right so now you also do uh and this is something i've always wanted to know with the pumpkins you've played on a lot of television shows and some radio shows like, like you know jimmy fallon jimmy kimmel uh yeah. howard stern's show 
is that a, I know it's a completely different environment. Is there any, is it weirder to play one, you know, one or two songs in a radio station? Do you have to prep differently since it's a completely different atmosphere? Is, is it, it's a lot, it's a lot to get your head around. I mean, for me, it was a lot to get my head around just cause I'd never done it before. Yeah. Um, so when, when we started doing that in 2018 was when we did the TV shows to get ready for that tour. It was completely new to me, so it was quite nerve-wracking. And it's weird. You're so used to playing to people, and it's yeah. just weird to be, have a camera in front of you. It just it makes you feel a bit, or it made me feel a bit sort of self-conscious and a bit more nervous. That yeah, that uh, was what I wanted to know. But it's know. cool. I mean, it, it's at the end of the end of the day, it's just fun, you know, going on the shows and meeting the hosts and hanging out there all day. It was it was great. Yeah, because I always wondered about that because technically you're performing for millions, but there's only like, you know, what, 20 people in there at most yeah. that you're playing, you're actually playing in front of? Yeah, it was, it, it can, it can be a bit weird. Um, I actually preferred, it, it was funny because, you know, some of these TV shows do have audiences. Like when we did Jimmy Fallon, there's probably about a hundred people in there. When we did Jimmy Kimmel, it was on the outside stage, so it kind of felt like more of a gig, even though there was cameras everywhere. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, but I actually, the most fun one was probably doing Howard Stern, because literally, you're in a, a skyscraper in the middle of Manhattan, about 40 floors up, playing at full volume, <laughs> with like offices all around, and it was just, <laughs> with just literally just him and uh, Robin sat there. Wow. And it was just like, this is the weirdest but coolest thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and it, that's got to be neat because, you know, I know Howard and, and Billy have, have a history together. He's been going on that show for decades. Yeah, he loves going on there. Did you form a, a bond pretty quickly with Jimmy Chamberlain? Because uh, you guys have to hold down that whole set. And, it's, and I know it's a little bit different from Joy Division and New Order because that stuff, the, uh, the bass is a lot more of a lead instrument. And, you know, yeah. with the pumpkins, you, you're more holding down Billy. Yeah, yeah it is, it's a totally different uh, playing style, for sure. So is it Although pretty not, quickly? Not, not on all the songs, not on all the songs, but it, it does, it, it sort of is a different mindset. Yeah. Um, I mean, Jimmy's amazing. It's, I don't, I can't talk enough about how great he is. And not, not just on the stage, you know, oh, okay. off stage as well. He's become a really, really good friend and almost like mentor, just listening to him talk about just music. It's yeah. amazing. I mean, he's so dedicated. He's the most dedicated person to his instrument, I think, I've ever met. Oh, I can he's imagine. So, he's so uh, focused on putting on such an amazing show. And it, it, it's, it's funny, like, you know, we play for that long and a lot of the drums are crazy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, it, and he's like, he could play for another three hours. It doesn't. It just doesn't affect him. It's amazing. That's amazing. I, I know playing the stringed instruments can be you know difficult for three and a half hours. But I mean, that's like running 
a, a marathon at full speed for three and a half hours. That, that's yeah, it's amazing. It's it, it blows me away just what, watching him play how he plays for that long, and he could just play the whole thing again. <laughs> and, not, and it's yeah, I guess it takes some stamina. Yeah, well, and I mean, he's been doing it for for decades. You know, he hasn't given up even when he wasn't in the pumpkins. So it's yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he's he can do anything. I mean. He, he can. He plays a lot of jazz shows uh, with his with his other band. Oh yeah, Jimmy Chamberlain Complex. I love that band. A, he does a lot of jazz gigs, and yeah, it's amazing. I was gonna say with the two different bands, it, is there one song that's the, like the most difficult to play for either the Light or the Pumpkins? Is there one song that's uh, there? Like, God, this is a tough song. I think. With, with with my dad's band, it would be uh, the Perfect Kiss by New Order, mm. mainly because the bass parts are intricate and and it, you're playing really high up the neck, and it's 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 it doesn't feel like bass playing. It's you know there's a, there's a huge solo at the end. on the G string and it's 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 crazy it's just unlike anything else but it, it's also 10 minutes long yeah. and you're playing <laughs> you're playing two sequences so there's no margin oh, for error in terms wow. of the arrangement so you have to be really you have to be really focused while you're playing all this difficult stuff oh to, so the band doesn't go out with the tracks and right. you're playing in 10 minutes and then with the pumpkins I don't know I mean she, Shiva from Gish is, is hard to play Oh really? Uh, that's I I struggled with that one at first. Like I've, I've got it now, but I remember when I first saw that on the list, I was like, "Ooh, that's going to be tough." And then it and it was. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of them with 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 fast uh, fast bass, like really a lot faster than I'm used to playing. You know, um, yeah. Some of the riffs of uh, lightning quick. So oh it, yeah, it it, it, t- it took some time. Like USA, the bass to that is tough as well. Yeah, and, and with a lot of those, you're right out there in the limelight mm. playing it. And if yeah, it's, it was, it's pretty. It's I mean, it, it blows my mind. Yeah. Be, be playing those riffs, but I have to really. I'm so like I really don't want to mess it up, so I'm, I'm so focused when I'm doing it that I don't even realize sometimes what's going on around. Uh, that makes sense. It's a, when you said the the shows just seem to fly by, even though they're three and a half hours long. I can right. I that makes sense now. Yeah. And you sitting there focused and concentrating, man, I, yeah, I can see that. Now, when you're not playing with these two iconic bands, do you have your own music that you work on, or do you, is there a band that you play with, or are you just happy for some time off? So I'm always, I'm always writing ideas and riffs at home, but I don't, I don't have like my own band, so to speak. Uh, and I guess especially at the moment, with everybody being stuck inside, yeah. uh, really all I'm doing is just recording my own little ideas for, for, for whenever, you know, for, for whatever we can, whatever I might use them for in the future. But, oh man, uh, you need I to hook really up with somebody, send them some of that stuff so they can work on it. You guys, you can, uh, yeah, I mean, drop box yeah. it to each other. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, I've, I've, I've got plenty of stuff sitting there that I can, that I can dust off when the, when the time is right. But at the moment I'm just, uh, 
just enjoying uh, just writing the old writing the odd thing and you know if it goes somewhere one day great if it doesn't then that's cool I mean it's it's one of those things where I would probably love to have my own band here in Manchester but because I'm touring usually so much uh, it just makes the whole thing impossible yeah um, this is the I mean the, we played our last show on the 31st of August so that was eight months ago so at oh, this wow. point it's the longest time I've had off in 10 years oh my gosh I didn't think about that yeah yeah wow we'll see that's so, time for, i can see why some uh some ideas are bubbling up then some, some yeah exactly ones. starting to get a bit starting to get a bit tech you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um i mean I, I mean who knows how long this is going to go on for but yeah um the main thing for me is just i gotta keep playing even if it's just a little bit every day well just if you, to try and keep to keep it loose if you'd end up playing with your own band it, you know Doing a normal set is going to be nothing. You're going to have to come up with three and a half hours worth of music just so it feels normal for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. Man, look, I, I've kept you for a while. I, I really do thank you so much. Like I said, Smashing Pumpkins has been a, just a presence in my life since college. So my late Same teens. as me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a little older than you, though. Right. So, so to have uh, an official pumpkin on the show, it really is, is amazing to me. And uh, it almost, it means almost as much to me as hearing your name with the pumpkins. So thank you so much for all this time. It's been a great, great opportunity. It's been a blast talking to you and, and learning about how, how you managed to play for three and a half hours on a regular basis. It's just, that blows my mind. Yeah, I mean it. It it it's sort of um, when you. It's weird, like when you get the the list of songs or whatever, it feels really daunting at first. It looks really daunting. Then, yeah, and it, yeah, and it is quite daunting. But then <laughs> once you once you get into it, it's actually it just becomes fun, and you enjoy. I enjoy it. That's. I enjoy playing with both bands so much that I wish we could play for longer. As I just love doing it, and now as in the, in when you're in the position of not being able to play uh you sort of feel bad about any time you've ever moaned about playing a long show because <laughs> <laughs> now you can't play any shows that's a good point man do, but, do you yeah. when you're playing live did, and i like i said i didn't get a chance to see the pumpkins the, the last tour um right do you get a like a bass solo or do you get a, a chance to to take the spotlight or no 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 way i mean it, it, I, I don't want to I don't want to detract from anything else that's going on. So I'm happy just to, uh, just to do my job and, um, allow the, uh, our three brilliant guitar players <laughs> and our brilliant drummer to, uh, to take the rightful spotlight. I mean, it's, those guys are amazing, uh, players. I mean, we, we talked about Jimmy, yeah. just incredible, but Jeff and, and Billy and James are all incredible unique uh, guitar players and okay. it's, it's interesting to sort of watch them watch the three of them figure out how they're gonna play songs in this sort of relatively new uh three guitar lineup that okay so that that made that made me think for a second here and is it difficult sometimes when you're on stage to concentrate when you when you've got you know james yeehaw billy corgan and jeff schrader on there you know just going nuts 
it, you know, on, I, mean, on a song I, like I, Drown. I love it as a, as a, as a fan. It's like the dream. It, um, you've got the best seat in the house for sure. I totally do. I totally <laughs> do. I look, I look to my left and I get to watch the, the greatest drummer of all time, probably. Yeah. And then I get to look in, in front of me and I see three of the greatest guitar players. <laughs> so it's like, it, yeah. that's a thing. It's the front row seat to, uh, to a great, um, three hours. That's it's to me. I would almost, I would have, I would almost ha not have to. How, how am I gonna, how am I trying to say this? I would almost f have to force myself to not pay attention to them because I would just be sitting there staring at them playing the entire time. It, I, yeah, it's because I grew up a fan like that. It, it, that would be very. <laughs> it would be like the best seat in the house, and and at the times one of the most difficult things for me to do because I would just want to sit there and watch and, and listen. Right. Exactly. So is it, yeah, is, I'm, just, I'm just the fan that gets to go to every show. Does it, not just, does the set list? Yeah, that, yeah, man, I envy you on that one. The, uh, does the set list change much when you guys are doing a three and a half hour long show? Uh, it hasn't been recently just because, uh, we, the, the show we did, uh, in 2018, was a real the production was really amazing it really told a story so the uh the set didn't change that much which which is which is cool actually because you can really get to grips with the songs you know you're not going to play one and then not play it for a month and then it might repair again and you're playing it not as well as you as you could that's a good point. so it's cool it's cool that it that it stays quite quite rigid just because it gives you a chance to play them as well as you can, which, which I like doing. Yeah. I mean, my, my dad's shows, we do like to sort of throw some, some curve balls in now and again, um, which keeps you on your toes. And which as a fan, as I a, love. As a rule, I, pre I prefer it as a rule to, to not change things that much. Like if it's, if you've okay. got a set that works, I prefer to stick to it, but that's just me. And I, you know, I imagine it would get you, give you a chance to really start to explore those songs a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, it, I think um, sometimes maybe people who aren't musicians might think, oh, playing the same song every night must get boring. But it really doesn't because the more you play the song, the more you get into it and the more you find out about it and the more it changes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's quite interesting. The songs can grow and, and, and expand and, and, and take on a whole different life live. Yeah, exactly. So I, I actually, I, I have no complaints to uh to not changing the set i think it makes the show better <laughs> now the, the one of the cool things i saw in looking at the set list is that the show really touches on almost every album i mean i think the monument to an elegy and um oceana i don't are there any songs from were there any songs from those two albums uh on the last tour so in 2019 we played a couple of songs from Monuments. Okay. Uh, I don't think we played anything off Oceania. But there's, um, but like all the, uh, you know, all the albums from Gish up through Zeitgeist were. Yeah, every, everything was everything crazy. included. Yeah, it was great. I mean, the thing with the the 2018 tour, the idea behind that was to focus really on the first five albums. Yeah. Um. So the the set was built from the sort of. Uh, 1990 to, to 2000 era. And then, um, last, last year's tour, some of the more recent ones were added. Like we played, uh, 
we played Super Christ, which is a cut from the Zeitgeist era. Yeah, and yeah. We played uh, Tiberius from from Monuments. Okay, okay. Uh, so it, it really did. Even 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 last year, even though the sets were shorter because it was festivals, uh, they were still playing things from from the whole career, which is which is great. And as a fan, that's the perfect. Uh, situation yeah exactly because i don't i don't want it to be a retro show i don't want to be an oldies show you know yeah but i do want them to play some of those older songs and they you know and even even on the even on the 2018 tour where it was built around the first five albums we we would still close with uh solara which is from the latest record right um, yeah but there would the, there was always that sort of nod to what's going on at the moment and that Billy's always writing. He never stops writing. And oh, wow. like, he's really prolific and he just writes amazing tunes. So long may that continue. That's amazing. See, I'm a completist. And it, it, it all started for me with Led Zeppelin. But as soon as uh, I, I, I started really getting into the pumpkins, and I like to go and, and find everything. Like Billy, to me, is, is such an amazing guitarist. And he's such a creative and, and has such a unique sound. It's, I'm, I'm trying to, I, I want everything that he's done, like, like Jimmy Page to me. I mean, right. you know, if Jimmy Page belches on a record, I want it. So, <laughs> so it's the same with Billy. And, you know, I would go out and I, I don't know if I should say this to a band member at this point, but I would go and find all the bootlegs I could with something unusual on it. Right. And uh, now, especially studio stuff. And when the uh, remaster started coming out, I was picking those up. I don't have them all yet, but I would love to to, to pick through and, and find all the the B sides and the demos that he put on and the unreleased yeah. songs. And when you're telling me now that he's just writing, it's just it's kind of making giving me that itch. Like, oh God, I want to hear it. I want to hear whatever the hell he's writing. <laughs> I want it. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. No, I mean the the his his body of work is so big and oh and. Yeah, but the quality well, and, is is maintained throughout. Yeah, and not just with the pumpkins. I mean, his solo stuff, Zwan. I love Zwan, yeah. and yeah, man, it's making me want to go out and pull these albums out again. And, and all the uh, boots that I got, I got to. <laughs> I've, I've got like it behind. Well, you can't see because when I do a video, but behind me there's boxes with about thirty five hundred CDs. And oh, nice. And I'd say a good chunk of those are Billy Corgan and or Jimmy Page stuff. So, cool. So, that is cool. Yeah. I mean, my 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 house is the same. I got all the uh, all my records. Well, uh, well, you're you yeah. need them for research. You can probably write those off on your taxes. It's all research, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, we, we can claim it's research. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it was it was funny because I've got a, I've got a huge. Uh, vinyl collection that I've started growing over the last few years. Oh, really? And then this week, I got the first uh, vinyl record with me on it, which was really cool. Oh, <laughs> when the, which, what when was the that? new Mark record came out. Oh, oh, that's okay. That's awesome. Lord, give me Get a mean so I can feel all right to plant my flag on distant shores and take me through the night. 
Peter Hook and the Light have put out a series of live albums on vinyl. So I have played on a vinyl record, but this was the first sort of studio uh, thing with me on bass. So that was really cool. That's fantastic. Oh, man, that is, that's got to be kind of mind-blowing. You, you know, hearing Jack Bates of the Smashing Pumpkins, finding Jack Bates on the credit for a Mark Lanigan album. I mean, that's... Uh, yeah, well, again, as I said before, it's just dream come true territory. Man, that's um, that's amazing. So, what are you listening to nowadays? What what kind of when you're not playing, or do you do you listen to a lot of music? Because I I've had people on the show that say once like like I had Michael Girard on, and he's he's like once I'm done playing, he's like I don't listen to music. Right. So, no, I, I I listen to a lot of music. I always got. I'd rather sit around listening to music than, than sitting around watching TV. I just find it a bit, a bit more, I don't know, a bit more interesting. Uh, so who's your new, new favorites? Uh, you know what? Over the last, over the last sort of 18 months, uh, I've been listening to Morphine a lot, which oh. is a band that I never really got into, even though I liked all those 90s bands and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, over the last 18 months, I've, at the end of the, at the end of 2019, you know, Spotify gives you that thing where it's like, here's all the, shit you've been listening to in, yeah. in, in order or whatever of, of how many listens and obviously the pumpkins are at the top just from all the practices right yeah <laughs> right? but then the second second thing was was morphine i was like wow really i've been uh, as we say in manchester i've been rinsing that <laughs> over the last 18 months uh that's cool Man, so i listen to i listen to a lot of that um but over the last few weeks i've been listening to loads of thin lizzie for some reason i don't know why really yeah. wow it's funny because uh, one of my friends, uh, one of mine and Jeff's friends, Britt, on Instagram, he does, uh, does these, like, he's, he's a DJ, and he does these things on Instagram Live every Sunday where he does, like, a metal kind of hard rock DJ set. Oh, cool. And um, it, it was it was that that sort of sent me down this sort of Thin Lizzy uh, spiral. Oh, man. <laughs> so, I've, I've been listening to a lot of old stuff recently. But, the, again, during the, during the lockdown, it's actually been good because a lot of a lot of good new stuff has come out too. Oh yeah, and, um, like the the Lanigan record. I, I played on four songs, uh, but I hadn't heard the rest of it, so I was really <laughs> enjoyed listening to that. It's and then um, it's you know uh, yeah, it's a great record. And um, uh, Greg Dully from the Afghan Wigs put out an amazing solo album. Oh yeah, and um, there has been really good new stuff coming out too. So it's been good. That's awesome. I'm thin Lizzy man. I, I, I'm a big John Sykes fan. I love his his guitar. That, oh yeah, that dude can just rip. Yeah, he's another I mean, guy I'd like to get on this show one one of these days. Yeah, like, if he's listening. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, just in terms of, I mean, I suppose I'm gravitated towards the, the bass playing and the Phil Linnet's bass playing is unbelievable. Oh yeah. Uh, and the same the same again with with Morphine. Um, Mark Sandman, the, the bass player and singer from Morphine, sort of threw all the rules out the window with his uh, two-string slide bass. Oh, that whole band! <laughs> every amazing. Every instrument in that band threw things out the window. Dana Colley was somehow was playing two saxophones. Yeah, and they don't have a guitar player. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So sort of, it really that, that, that I think that's why I like that band so much, just because it's so different to everything else I listen to. Yeah, I like got. I got a chance to see them live once, and it was oh, wow. really early on. The uh, Cure for Pain, I think, it was, had just come out, and it was really weird because I didn't really know them. But they were the 
they, and they weren't even the band I was there to see. They, they were right. headlining. It was at the Stone Pony in Asbury Park, New oh, Jersey. Yeah. And it was Morphine, but they were, the, I was actually there to, because I wanted to see the opening band, 16 Horsepower. Right. And uh, it, it's funny because I got there, you know, rocked out to some pretty weird folk rock with, with uh, 16 Horsepower, which is a, a weird ass band. They were, they were amazing. If, if you don't know them and if, if any of the listeners don't know, go back and check out 16 yeah, Horsepower. Yeah, this is the first I've heard of them. Oh, man. They are... Uh, they, I can't even explain them. They're just this weird... Their music is scary. It sounds like it should be the soundtrack to an American Gothic movie. Right. It, I, it, I will check it out. Yeah, I'll check it out. Are you familiar with the band Woven Hand at all? I'm not. Okay. That's... When 16 Horsepower broke up, the uh, guitarist slash accordion player slash singer, uh, David Eugene Edwards started this band Woven Hand and they take what 16 Horsepower did and they make it heavier. And it's just, it's right. just, so if, if, okay. if you want to hear some, I'll put them on my list. yeah, they, I, I, I love, I fortunately I saw, and this is one of the coolest uh, stories that I, that I can think of in my own experience. I went to go see, uh, so I saw 16 Horsepower open for Morphine and, uh, and that's what kind of won me over with Morphine was seeing them live. And I went out and bought the album after that because I didn't have anything by them. But right. a couple of years later, 16 Horsepower came back around to, I was living in New Jersey at the time, and uh, they were playing in Philadelphia. And this is pre-internet, so I don't know, I, I'm trying to think of how I figured this out. They were playing at a theater, then the venue got changed to a bar about a block away. Right. I'm trying to remember how I found that out. I don't even know. They may have sent out a mailer or something for people who had bought tickets early, but I went to that bar and there was a sign on the bar saying the show has been moved back to the theater and it was 16 horsepower opening for a band called Grant Lee Buffalo. Another really cool band, but from right. the nineties. So I went to the, went back to, the, but they said, if, if you have, you, you bought it, your tickets, 16 horsepower after the Grant Lee Buffalo set is going to be playing back at the bar. So if you have your ticket, just Come on in, and they'll, they're going to honor their commitment to the bar. So I was like, oh, oh, shit, I'm in. So I went, and I saw 16 Horsepower open for Grant Lee Buffalo, and then I went, after that show, I went back to the bar and saw 16 Horsepower again. So I got to see right. two sets live in, in, in one night. Oh, that's cool. And I was all by myself in the middle of downtown Philadelphia. And wow. that's not a place you want to be by yourself. I, and, and it was on <laughs> Halloween night. So. Right. You don't want that. That's kind of a. I was scared to death to walk back to my car by myself. So right, but it it was. I've had a few. I've had a few moments like that. Yeah, exactly. So it, yeah, sixteen horsepower is is, is pretty crazy. So, all right. So uh, Thin Lizzy, Morphine, um, loads of Motorhead recently as well. Uh, man, I don't know. Again, I don't know why. I'm just uh, drawn back to it. You're in, you're into some heavy stuff. Yeah, yeah, some, some pretty hard rock and stuff. Well. I mean, look, I've kept you for a while. It's been a blast talking with you and, and, and all. And when the pumpkins come around, I, I'm definitely going to get some tickets and see you guys. And Yeah, man, just, just give me a shout. Um, who knows when it'll be? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, at the moment, we're, we're, we're penciled in for October to, to tour in the U.S. Oh, awesome. Um, which was supposed to have happened 
by now. It was supposed to be April, May, yeah. and they moved it to October. But I mean, who knows the way this is going? Whether whether it's going to happen or not. But well, hopefully uh, things hopefully are starting we'll to open be, up to, around and yeah, in my exactly. area. So. Yeah. So I mean, we're just going to have to wait and see. I don't think anybody really knows what things are going to look like in a few months. No. So we'll just have to wait and see and uh, see what happens. But I hope so. I hope it happens. I oh, mean, we were. Yeah. We, had, we actually had a lot in for this year. We were supposed to play April, May, and then uh, July opening for Guns N' Roses. Oh, wow. And that that tour just got postponed uh, a couple of days ago. So, Man. Um, and I, I, I'm, in the same, I'm in the same boat as a lot of musicians at the moment, which is yeah. your diary goes from full to empty. <laughs> yeah. It's a, I'm wide open. Which I is, mean, it's, it, it's trivial to complain about it in the grand scheme of things, but, you know. It, it's working out well for me, though, because I got a lot of people open and willing to do podcasts. Well, there you go. Yeah, it gives them something to do when they're... Uh, when otherwise they'd just be doing the laundry like me. Yeah. <laughs> Having a nice cup of coffee on a, a still overcast morning. I'm dying to to see the... I mean, I last time I saw the Pumpkins Live was 94 at Lollapalooza. Wow, right, okay. What's been the weirdest concert experience you've had, either as a band member or in the audience? Um... You know what? It's always the, whenever I get asked that, it's always the same question. So in two thousand, same answer. Sorry. So in, in two thousand and fourteen, played in Mongolia with my dad, which is undoubtedly the the, the weirdest gig. Wow. <laughs> How is there a big Joy Division contingent in Mongolia? Yeah. Yeah. Evidently. Yeah. I mean, it was weird because uh, we got the call only about five days before the show. Because oh. a band had pulled out who were headlining this festival oh over there gosh. in uh, in Ulaanbaatar wow. <laughs> in Mongolia, <laughs> and then so we got asked to play because they pulled out. And I thought it was a joke at first. It was actually like, "What are you doing on Friday?" I'm like, "Nothing." Is like, we got this offer from Mongolia. I'm like, "But <laughs> so it was true." And then uh, yeah, we went over there and had one of the best weekends. But it, I mean, it was weird, but one of the best weekends I've had. On tour, it was great. Oh man, that the show. I mean, the look on my dad's face when he was, <laughs> when he was looking out at a, a sea of people in Mongolia wearing joggers and t-shirts was amazing. Like you couldn't believe it. That's crazy. Uh, and I, we don't know anybody else that's that's played there. I've been there. It, it feels like a, a really unique thing for us. Uh, it was cool, and we stayed there for like four days. Oh wow! And did 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 all the tourist stuff and uh, <laughs> it, was, it was cool, man. It was great. Yeah, I don't. Out of all the bootlegs I've got of all the bands, I don't think any one of them is from Mongolia. Right. Exactly. Well, <laughs> this is. It was funny because uh, this festival had been going for fifteen years at that point, oh, so wow. probably like probably like twenty years now. And um, they we were the first European band to play it. Like the, the bill is always just Russian and Japanese bands. Oh my gosh. We were the first European band. The guy came up to us and he was like, I'm, I'm so sorry about the weather. Uh, it's not stopped raining for 24 hours. Usually it's like 30 degrees. It's, it's lovely. <laughs> and then I remember my dad saying to him, well, that's what happens when you book a band from Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> you bring in the weather with you. Yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. But it was very, uh, there was there was some very weird moments, but also some very memorable ones. So that's, that was that was one of the best trips for sure. That's well, that's. I would a, love to go back there one day, uh, and to play or do is more, more of a tour. Do more of the 
do more of the tourist stuff just because it, it's, it's a really interesting place and the people are lovely. So I would like to go back there. I would love to, to travel a little bit more like that. And that's one of the, the things that I'm always jealous of, of touring musicians is the travel. And I, I've, I've heard a lot of people say that, you know, I don't, I don't get a chance to, to yeah. see too much of the country because we're, you know, we're traveling. We're always in the bus or on the stage or in a plane and on stage. So do you, do you ever get a chance to, to do more of what you did in Mongolia and, and take I mean, some time? It, it just depends on the schedule. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where um, I remember when at the end of the 2015 tour that we did with my dad, um, we ended the tour in Honolulu. Ooh. And we, 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 so we played in Hawaii. And then as soon as we, as soon as we got that confirmed, everyone was like, right, I will pay for my hotel. <laughs> so just give me, put my flight back by like five days. I need to, <laughs> you know, so you, sometimes you can sort of work it like that. I remember yeah. there was a, I had a really, one of my, one of my best friends lives in uh, Mexico in Playa del Carmen and my dad's, my dad's biggest shows are in Mexico. So we go there quite a lot. Oh, cool. And um, I remember I had, had a great holiday there once from after we'd finished the tour in, in Mexico. So you can sort of spin it sometimes where you can be like, all right, can you just delay my flight and I'll pay for my hotel and that sort of thing. But in the middle of a tour, it is hard to yeah. find the time. You know, if, if, if you're in the middle of a tour and you've got a, an off day where there's something you really want to do, sometimes it's a great idea. And then when you actually get to it, you just think I need to just stay in bed. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not always possible. Oh man. Well, you know, hopefully that'll, you know, you, you continue to have some really cool tour endings. So you've got some nice places to visit. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's always the best thing to, to uh, end a tour in somewhere you want a holiday. That's always a good yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to end it in, uh, I don't know, where would you not want to end a tour? Uh, Detroit? <laughs> you know what? I love playing in Detroit. <laughs> um, Damn it. I don't know. I thought I had I you. Suppose, I suppose as a, as a, as a guy from Manchester, I should say, I don't want to end the tour in Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I love Liverpool too, though. So. That's... Our managers are actually from Liverpool, so that's cool. Oh, yes. All right, well. I'm I... only joking. Yeah. We can definitely wrap up on that then. I don't want to get you in too much trouble. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for, for spending your, well, your afternoon and my morning with me. It, it's been great. No worries, man. It was a pleasure.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.